I'm Stacy. Hey, I'm Steph. Welcome to Harnessing Your Power, where we discuss everyday topics to break through the stigma and harness our power through self-mastery. Tune in every Tuesday to join us in conversation as we dig deep into our minds and get closer and closer to our highest self. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Um, Even if people hop on along the way, I'm really excited for this conversation because like Stacey said, we haven't been here for a while and uh, it just feels good to be back. So welcome back to Harnessing Your Power. We're gonna do a Q&A today and uh, we posted um, a little box to ask questions. And honestly, we got some really good questions and I'm super excited. I'm going to keep waving to some people, but I'm super excited to get into these questions. So I'm just going to jump right in because we do have quite a few questions and we want to make sure we have time for all of them. So Stacy, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Question number one is going to be what first brought you into the personal development slash self mastery space? Mm, that is a good question. Um, And for me, it really started with a self-love journey. And it's something that started when I was not really in the best place, was in a really bad mental space and just in kind of a low period of life. Um, So I started going to therapy and doing other things to like seek ways to help myself. And that really started like this self-love, self-acceptance journey, which just like domino effect turned into this self-mastery journey and this obsession that I have for growth and to really evolve into the best version of myself. Um, But it's kind of amazing to think about how it really started in a place that was not so great. Like it started from me being in a really low, hard spot and then just slowly coming out of that into everything it's evolved into now is honestly really amazing and it's not something I reflect on a lot (laughs) but I love that question because yeah it's just amazing to see how I kind of got here because I don't think it was ever like oh I woke up one day and I was like I'm gonna start studying self-mastery or I'm gonna start talking about it or any of that it kind of just evolved naturally um always being focused on growth and self-love what about you Steph what brought you to this space I love that. And I love that you said it kind of started like not in the best place because I think that's something that I really like to, I guess not reflect on, but think on, or I don't know what the right word is, but to know that there's growth from anything. But um, I got into this space because of entrepreneurship, actually. Um, It was right when I first started dog walking and I would, I needed to find something to listen to on my walks. And I stumbled across podcasts. I think somebody had posted one. Um, And actually, I was listening to audios first. I was listening to The Secret. Hi. Um, I was listening to The Secret. And that was Mm -hmm. when I really, really first, like, understood and really had something happen that made me realize, like, okay, I am a little more powerful than I think. Um, And literally, I've told this story before, but it was like, me talking about opportunity will knock on my door and opportunity literally did. And I think that was the first time where I was like, okay, I can do this. Like, I know I can improve my life. I know I can grow. I know I can develop. Um, and then from there, I started listening to Manifestation Babe and got really into podcasting. And I really became almost addicted to learning about growth. Like, I just wanted to know more. What can I do more? Um, yes how can I just be better all around and literally asking myself, Hey, how can I be better? What can I do better? And then that hunger for growth just became more. And honestly, if it wasn't for podcasts, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And I feel like I always wanted a podcast because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. And I literally don't know who I would be. So really. um, And then after that, just exposure, I feel like for personal development was really podcasts, but then for self mastery, it was more exposure to other entrepreneurs, getting to know other people and knowing that where I'm at, 
is just the tip of everything and knowing that there's so much more and there's always going to be more and literally the best is yet to come. And knowing that I'm literally just, I know this much out of so much keeps me going each and every day to want to do more, to want to learn more and want to better myself more. So. Yes, I love that. And I can definitely relate to that, to just that constant like hunger for more, like more knowledge, more growth, more love and more for everyone around you too. And I really love how you said what kind of like propelled you even further into the space is when you realize how powerful you are. Because I think that is such a key thing to like self mastery and manifestation and all of it is like, when you have those moments that you're like, I am this powerful, <laughs> or like, even when your body heals, my ankle sprain yes. <laughs> is now finally healed. And Honestly, it kind of took longer than I expected. It took about like six weeks and it's still a little bit swollen here and there, whatever. But if you just think about that, like six weeks ago, I literally couldn't walk. Mm. And now my body has healed itself. Like when you think about how powerful we are, it's, it's honestly really inspiring. And I love that your journey kind of into like the self-mastery space is right there tied with your journey into podcasts. Because yeah. I can relate to... One of the very first podcasts I ever listened to, um, I reference a lot when we talk, <laughs> called Unfuck Your Brain by Cara Lowenthal. Um, and she kind of introduced me into everything about thought work and like changing your thoughts and mind over matter type of things. And that was a podcast. And I never really fully connected like those dots until you know, we've talked about this before now that we have a podcast too, yeah. kind of how it's all come full circle. And that's one of my favorite parts about us having this podcast, because it really feels like we are just a channel of like, what we've gone through and what we've learned and what we've grown through. So I love it. I love how it's so related for you. Thank you. Um, cool. Well, to get right into question two, this person asked, what are some things that I can do to not be so reactive? So for me personally, um, I feel like getting to know what made me, like getting to know your triggers, getting to know what makes you have that instant reaction, what makes you feel that and what makes you lash out. Um, because I don't think that we can stop being more reactive if we don't, if we aren't first aware of what's causing it. Um, so I think just really figuring out what the root cause of that is and depending on like what situation it's in. Um, the first situation I thought of was like in a partner or a friendship relationship and some type of relationship. I think it's really important to communicate the <laughs> like communicate the feelings behind it. And I know it sounds so simple and it sounds so small, but even just hey, I, this makes me feel this way. And this is why I act this way. I feel like once we realize those things, then we can work on being better about them. And I think one of the things, because I, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself to be a reactive person, I don't think. But I feel like um, something that Let's I ask like Ruby, right? Is, <laughs> I, I was gonna say that. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things that really helps me slow down a little bit is to look at both sides. I do like to see the both sides of everything. Hey, how are you looking at this? Um, and instead of maybe being reactive, I like to be more like, I like to explain things or like see how everything fits together before I'm really giving that reaction and really thinking things through. Um, obviously easier said than done. Um, but I do like to look at all sides. What about you? I completely agree. Um, some of the first things I wrote down when I was thinking about this question was to know your own triggers and to see the whole situation. <laughs> because I think that's really the key to it. And being able to communicate that is key um, to yourself and to the other people in the situation. But also being able to see the whole situation to me can sometimes help me remove my emotions from it. Like if I think that this person keeps doing this and it's making me feel bad. They're doing it to make me feel bad. But if I see the whole situation and I see like all this happened to them before that, and now them doing mm. this is just their reaction. 
So am I going to react to that and just keep this whole like negative spiral going? Or can I step back for a second and say like, Hey, is it worth it? Something that I really like is that rule. Like, is it going to matter tomorrow? Mm. Or is it going to matter in six months? Or is it going to matter in six years? I actually really like to think about that one because sometimes I could justify like, yeah, it is going to matter tomorrow. It's still going to bother me tomorrow. (laughs) But if you really think like, is it going to matter in six years? I kind of realized that so many things that kind of like upset me throughout the day or whatever, like not that they don't matter because another thing that I wrote down is that I definitely think we should validate ourselves. You know, I think, and I think it's like understanding your trigger. Maybe when that moment comes up first validating yourself that the fact that you're feeling something is like, okay. And understand that. But then being able to not react is like seeing the bigger thing realizing it's not really worth the reaction or maybe sometimes it is um but Mm. just being able to like make that difference and just in general something that has helped me with all of that um Steph said you sound like a very logical thinker versus when I tend to think very emotionally that is definitely true and I will say that being a logical thinker and very analytical is not always the best. Sometimes that can actually get me caught up in like overanalyzing it versus sometimes mm. if you're emotional, it's kind of just in the moment. So the, the beauty balance is really both of us. Steph, if both our brains come together, <laughs> that's where we will succeed. Um, no, but something else that has helped me just in general to not be so reactive is breath work and grounding activities and just different things that help me feel more centered and more stable and more connected to my energy source within. So that way, if these things do come up, even if it does annoy me in the moment, because I don't think that even if you reframe your thoughts, it doesn't mean you're not going to get annoyed in the moment. I'm still going to get annoyed when my boyfriend leaves his shoes like in the middle of the floor. Like I'll get annoyed about that every time, but not reacting. is just not letting that annoyance like really um, sink in. Josh said Wim Hof is amazing breath work. I love Wim Hof method. It's very energizing and it is really grounding, but doing stuff like that or walking barefoot in the grass, which people look at me crazy every time I carry my shoes and I walk barefoot when I'm walking my dog. But those type of things are actually like biochemically proven to be grounding and to stimulate these different hormones that can just make you feel more centered and more resilient to stress. So if these things do come Mm. up, it doesn't really like permeate. Um, But yeah, I think it's definitely a journey. And (laughs) the biggest thing, like you said, Steph, like before you can really do any of that is knowing what triggers you and what upsets you for sure. Yes. And, um, when you were talking about being a logical thinker and Steph on here said she was more emotional. I feel like I feel both sides of that. Um, I'm a little more emotional towards, but I feel like if it's something that you know, you're being like, there's a, is emotion driven. I feel like if there's something super emotion driven, take a step back and maybe give yourself a second to think things through before, before you give that reaction. Like sometimes literally just being like, I just need five minutes. I just need 10 minutes. And then going to do any of the things you may have mentioned, meditation, anything along those lines, or even going to the gym, you know, that's my favorite. Um, But anything else that will help you remove that emotion, because I can tell you there's been times where I have given a reaction and then thought about it later and been like, maybe I, Maybe I could have waited a second, but then there's been times where I've been accidentally forced to give it a second. Like maybe I reacted to something and then I had to go do something else. And then when I come back to it, I'm like, oh, it wasn't as big a deal as I thought. So kind of how you were saying, is it going to matter as much later? Um, really giving yourself that five, 10, 15 minutes. Are you still just as emotional then? And I feel like that's also really helpful for me, but To get into question three, Stacey, what are some things that you have done to heal your inner child? Oof. (laughs) Which, first of all, let me reiterate what Steph said. Thank you, everyone who sent in 
questions for being interactive and our amazing people part of this podcast with us. And thank you all for sending some questions that really caused a lot of reflection. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Steph post on her Instagram story, but she had like four pages of notes and like we both had been journaling like all day. So thank you everyone for sending in the questions. But what have I done to heal my inner child? This is definitely something that is a work in progress for me. Um, it's something that I'm at the very beginning of my like understanding of the inner child and how much it affects my current life and is still a part of me and how I can heal it and what I can do to heal it. And to be honest, a lot of it makes me very uncomfortable. And a lot of mm -hmm. it is kind of things I would rather not think about. Um, but I definitely have learned how important it is in my overall healing and how I have different traumas, you know, from my entire life to think about and kind of heal from. So in general, something that I've done more to kind of like tap into my inner child and soothe it is dance. I actually used to be a part of like competitive dance teams when I was a child. And if you like ever saw me dance now, you would like laugh and be like, how? Like, where's your rhythm? Like, they obviously just accept anyone when you're a child. <laughs> but it was something that I actually really loved for like 10 years of my life. And when I was like going through that time period, if you asked me what I was going to do for my whole life, it was going to be to be a backup dancer. Like I have a fourth grade yearbook where that's what I wrote, like backup dancer. Like I love dance. But then it got to like middle school and high school and I was like, oh, but I suck at dancing. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like, this is awkward. I, I don't actually want to do this. I actually don't want to just, you know, like be bumping and grinding. Like, I don't know about all that. And it got to a place where like I completely stopped dancing. I would be out, you know, in public at a club or something or a party or anything and like music will be playing and I'd be one of those people who likes not dancing but I'm like kind of nodding along because I can't help that like you know I kind of feel it but it's something I suppressed for so long that it took a lot a lot of like just acceptance to be like no like let me dance and that's one of the first things you hear when you hear people talk about like how to tap into your inner child is doing those different type of like creative like free spirited mm -hmm. things where you're just like expressing yourself and that phrase like dance like no one's watching is so true because that's like a fundamental form of human expression is like through dance and through music so I dance more now I dance around my house not even when I'm in public I dance a little bit and I just like laugh at myself and I just have so much fun with it and it because I do laugh at myself it's so much fun <laughs> so that that's my biggest thing but I definitely am still working on like healing um some of like the traumas or whatever and just sending my younger inner child love something that i mm. came across is like doing visualizations where you are hugging your smaller self or like even holding a picture of yourself when you were a child and i've attempted to do these visualization visualizations a few times and i just end up feeling so awkward <laughs> and uncomfortable and i don't know but i think that in itself kind of shows how much healing needs to be done there. Um, so something I'm working on, and also something we had a whole episode about, it recently just came out on all podcast platforms in YouTube, episode 23, go check it out. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like a lot of people are relating in the chat about singing. I love to hear that all of you love like singing and expressing yourself that way, and Amber Girl, if I, if anyone is in the room with you, when it's going to be big comes on, <laughs> they're going to hear you sing because I know you sing that song with your heart. I love that. I love everyone's expression. But what about you, Steph? What are some things you've done to heal your inner child or like tap into that energy? I love that so much. But um, so a few things. So I feel like I actually we hear people talk about healing and soothing and like, you know, getting in that space with your inner child. And I feel like it's something I always avoided to be completely honest. Um, really more until we started talking more about that. And we did that episode on the inner child. And I feel like I found so many exercises 
to just tap into that and like deep, like just a little more deeply tap into that because I feel like I hadn't all the way before that. Um, and something that I really liked doing to just bring some soothing and healing to my inner child is writing a letter to your inner child. Um, and I do feel like it felt strange, um, but just writing a letter to younger you and really like just talking things out, like talking to you. And it feels strange at first, but it feels so good after. Um, feels very relieving and almost like free. Um, and in that, like forgiving those around you, like really like anything that you just feel like, I feel like there's, I know something that, something my parents always like specifically would say about me was that I can hold a grudge or like I can stay mad, but really forgiving those things and knowing like, I'm okay. I forgive this and you don't even have to really say it to anyone, but really just writing it down feels good. Um, and then finding an inner child meditation, um, how you said visualizing mm. hugging yourself. Um, it was kind of similar, but really like hugging yourself and like really taking that intentional time to like, and I feel like with the right intention, it just feels so good afterwards. It feels safe um mm. giving yourself that safe space but also the other things that I have that are more on the um that are more on the like dancing side or singing side the other day I love that somebody asked this question because the other day we literally just talked about this I went to Gatorland with my sister for my godson's birthday for his third birthday and even just being there and doing something that I remember doing as a kid. Um, I don't know, like if you went on a Gatorland field trip, <laughs> but I went on a Gatorland field trip and just being there and doing the things with the kids, feeding the goats, um, just getting to be silly um, was something really nice. And it wasn't anything that I would do if I didn't have nephews. And it's just a nice reminder, like, hey, do these things that you used to get enjoyment out of because it it just feels good to be your child self again um and really feed into that and then really just hanging out with my sister I feel like is so good because we talk about memories of being younger like we were reflecting this past weekend like her son just turned three and we're like wow we're really we're really the parents in this well not me but you know we're really the adults in this um in this situation, we're really taking the kids to go to Gatorland and do these things. And we talked about like, um, just the toys that he had and the things they were watching. And I know a lot of millennials saw the Blue's Clues um, video. Did you watch that? I actually didn't. I saw a lot of people talking about it, but I, I never actually saw the video. Well, honestly, I feel like that in itself was very like tapping into that inner child because it was Steve, I don't know if you were a Blue's Clues watcher, <laughs> um, but Steve from Blue's Clues at one point had like stepped away from the show and said goodbye. And he said on there, um, he just came back on and he was like, hey, I've missed you. You know what, you're doing great. And like all of these things and really talking to the kids, the millennials, the kids millennials, talking to them now and their adult lives. And we were just talking about things like that, really talking about things that I used to do with my sibling and all the silly things we used to do. And even my best friend, who's like a sister, talking about when we would do cheetah girls dances, um, <laughs> like just things like that. <laughs> things like that. And like really talking about the performances we used to put on in front of our families and stuff. Um, but just really tapping back into that feels really good and really playful. It feels good to be playful and tap back into that inner child. Yes, I love that. I'm here for the Cheetah Girls performances, okay? Me and my friends, like, we were, like, a whole group, and we yeah. took turns, like, playing with different people, whatever. I love that. But definitely, I feel like that 
really is the overarching thing about the inner child. It's just letting yourself like be silly and like play and have fun. And why do we stop doing that? Like, why do we stop playing, you know, but making it intentional too, not just, I think really where you find the joy in the inner child is not just like playing hooky or like not doing your responsibilities, but like intentionally taking the time for that play and for that silliness. I love that. I really like this comment because um, Mimi put, having a kid really started me healing my inner child because you have to really get in the mindset of a child in order to play or relate to your kid's emotions. And I feel like that's been a really big thing for me with having nephews um, and just getting to be in that space with them and be silly with them. Yes, I love it. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for the play and for the dance and for the singing. Like, we can all come together and we can have, like, a big day where we just sing and dance back. <laughs> yes. Did you see what Josh said? I did. Cheetah Girls, Girls Dance for the podcast intro on YouTube. <laughs> and I don't know if it will be publicly recorded and shared like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. Okay. So, to get into question four, which is a big question. There's a lot in this question, and I'm actually really excited to talk through it with you, Seth. How can you cure your own depression? Mm. So I feel like this is a kind of a big question, and I just want to stress that overall, I, I don't want to use the word cure because I think if there... I think there's a lot more that goes into feeling better about your depression. And sometimes I do think you need to go (laughs) seek, uh, you know, professional help. But I want to call this more like tips to getting out of your own funk. Um, Or for me, like if I do feel like I'm maybe feeling a little more sad or just in a little bit of a depressive episode, things that I do to pull myself out of that funk. Um, But just... A disclaimer, I am in no way a professional, and I am not saying that if you do these things, you will cure your depression, Um, but definitely just some tips from things that I've experienced. And um, so the first thing that came to mind when I read this question is cleaning your space. I feel like for me, that's if I realize I've just been not feeling good for a couple of days and I'm just like, wait, this isn't good. I've come to the realization like, hey, I'm, I'm not in the best space right now. I'm not feeling good right now. Um, I think, honestly, the first thing is, one, recognizing it like, hey, I'm not where I want to be feeling right now. And the first thing I immediately do is clean my space because I feel like a cluttered space equals a cluttered mind. And I feel like that reflects a lot for me and resonates a lot with me. So I clear my space, do some laundry, have the house smell good put some candles or some incense on and then look good, feel good. I like to make myself look good. Um, I'll do my hair. I'll maybe put on some makeup. Um, Just make myself feel better because I feel like when I look better, I feel better. And also I feel like a big one is nourishing your body. Um, I think this is something that honestly, Stacey, I feel like I knew from beforehand, but I feel like you helped me really come to to this one um, and really just feeding your body good things. Um, I think sometimes when you're not feeling the best, it's very easy to reach for that junk food or go have that bad meal. And not to say that bad meals are necessarily always bad, but if you're not feeling good, can you put things that might give you more energy in your body? Um Listen to happy music is something else that I like to do or listening to something that will really just pick up my vibe. Um, There is one song that I always listen to. I used to listen to it in the mornings. um, And literally, it's just talking about it's a beautiful day. And it's it's actually, um, it's called Beautiful Day by Jamie Grace. It's a Christian song that I listened to years ago. And it still always brings me just in a better mood as well as Sunday best. I feel like Sunday best always puts me in a better mood. Um, And then uh, feel the sun, which I actually saw 
Josh put sunlight is key. Just 10 minutes can make a huge difference. Feel the sun. Sometimes I literally just go sit on my balcony if I haven't like been outside for the day and just and like feel the sun on my skin. And I feel like living in Florida, I get a lot. I'm very fortunate to be able to have a lot of opportunities to do that. Um, but really feeling that sun and like being intentional about being out there and just being like, Ooh, this feels good. And like telling myself this feels good. That's one of my favorite feelings is the sun on my face. And then something that really, really, really helps me is journaling. Um, but journaling with the intention to ask yourself more. Um, so I'm a big who, what, where, when, why person. Um, so if you haven't been feeling your best, I like to go reflect on what has my past week, my past month, my past few months looked like, and who have I been around? Where have I been? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I sad? Um, and what can I change? What are my triggers? Have I talked to anyone? And I feel like what can I change is the last question I like to ask because it gives you a second to reflect on, hey, what's making me feel like this? And what do I want to change? Um, I think a lot of the times for me personally, <laughs> I think a lot of times for me personally, um, if I'm feeling a little more sad or just not in the best place, there's other things that pile up on top. So maybe you're not feeling your best and now you slept in and now you're behind on your day. And now I tend to be really hard on myself. So now I feel like, poop and I'm telling myself oh you should have done this or you should have done that but really being more kind to yourself and asking yourself what do I want to change and tracking it um I think tracking your progress is a big thing and I I realize that a lot with our habit tracker um the habit tracker really just helped me see okay, what am I being consistent on? Because am I putting myself in the place where I'm making myself more sad by being hard on myself, by letting myself sleep in, by doing the things and really holding yourself accountable. And I'm not saying that that's the easiest thing. It is easier said than done, but sometimes having the visual and being able to say, hey, I made the effort on this day. I made the effort on this day. These are the things that I'm doing and being able to reflect on what you're doing to make that time better i feel like is a big 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 thing for me literally committing to do something and then tracking it has really just been a big game changer for me what about you stacy yes well a lot of the same points and specifically about the habit tracker when we did the habit tracking challenge and the meditation challenge i was surprised like what the habit tracker ended up serving for me. I thought it was going to be something for me to be like, oh man, like, look, like I got to do this tomorrow. But for some reason I was thinking I was already going to go in with it being like, wow, look, I didn't do it these last three days. Now I have to do it tomorrow. And I thought it was going to be more of like that accountability, like reminder of like, oh, you better do this. But it really became more of like, look like you're doing this. Like, yes. okay, maybe you missed a day, but you did it three days before that without having that tracker, like my mind could have gotten caught up on the day I missed. And I would have let that like completely like spiral down for me. Um, but having the tracker, like really was that kind of like accountability while also being that reassurance. Um, and I definitely agree. Well, two things. First, I definitely have a lot of the same, um, kind of like tools and tricks for myself to pull myself out of a funk. Um, I do love how you said music. And to Mimi's point, she said 432 Hertz music might have a lot to do with certain songs making us feel so much better. So something mm. I really like to do as well is listen to healing frequencies. Sometimes I don't want to hear like words or people talk so I don't want to listen to any type of motivation, personal development. I don't even want to listen to a song because I just don't want to hear words. Like sometimes I get in a place where I, I don't know, I don't want to take it in. So something that's been a really great tool for me is the healing frequencies and just putting on these like ambient sounds that in itself is relaxing, but is also like triggering those chemicals in my brain to actually make me feel better. Um, I definitely agree with going outside. I love the sun. 
<laughs> it's my favorite like healing thing that we have on this earth. It's so powerful and there's just so much good to get from going outside every day and especially when we're not feeling our best. Um it's actually the first thing I do. Now as soon as I like start to feel anxious or not feel good, I'm like I need sunlight, I guess. <laughs> I'll go sit outside and then if I'm still not feeling good, I'm like okay, well, now what else? And a huge thing is definitely the nourishment. So for me, sometimes when I have more depressive type of episodes and moments, it's not that I go to eat something bad, but it's that I don't eat and mm. or maybe not eat enough or not enough nourishment or whatever it is. So really focusing on, okay, like knowing where I'm at and knowing maybe I don't have an appetite because I'm not in a great spot mentally and emotionally. So I'm not going to be able to eat a lot. So I'm going to make a protein shake or something that I know will give me a lot of nourishment if it's only in a small amount. So that's kind of like my overall like answer to this is knowing what works for you. And mm -hmm. maybe it's not something that we say and it's not something that you're going to read someone tell you to do. And maybe it's something that other people might disagree with or think is weird but if like that's what works for you and if that's something that can give you comfort and make you feel better and pull you out of that like funk then that's amazing and i was actually listening to a podcast this morning called the science of success which i actually think you had first told me about Seth. and I love that podcast. it's good i'm glad you recommended it to me <laughs> But they had someone on who was talking all about like breaking down these like concepts of emotion and psychology for children. Because a lot of times people always say like, oh, if only I knew this sooner, or if only I knew these things when I was a child, then it wouldn't be all this trauma to heal, but I would have like done the work as the time went on. So she um, writes all these books and like does all these studies about how to like deliver these concepts to kids. And one tool that she tells parents to create with their kids is something she called a comfort kit. So something that is filled with things that is physically stimulating, because that's a huge thing even for adults. And that's why like going to the gym or outside or eating or any of these things we turn to because the physical sensation like distracts our minds kind of. And mm. like that make you feel better. So not to say that we need to make a comfort kit. Like her example for the children was full of a coloring book, a movie, and Play-Doh. But realistically, if I was upset, those are three things that would make me feel better too. <laughs> so maybe we do make this type of comfort kit, you know? Like, or at least knowing in your head what you can go to. I think that's a big thing for me is being prepared. To Steph's point, you know, like, we are not licensed medical health professionals. This is like not medical advice. Um, and I definitely do think those are necessary in everyone's journey um, at some point or another to speak to some type of trained person um, that you trust. But I think, oh my gosh, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> About it not being a cure is that, um, like there is no cure, like Steph said, like it's not, I don't think that's even the right way to kind of like look at it, but more so understanding that depression to some degree is experienced by everyone. And that's not to lessen anyone's experience or make any comparisons whatsoever, but just to understand that like different aspects of being a human and having consciousness and experiencing emotions can lead to depression and depressive moments and things like that. And like really recognizing that it's a journey and that the goal is obviously to have the good outweigh the bad and to be at a place where even if you feel depressive, maybe you don't go as low as you went before and it's not a whole spiral anymore, but just having that knowledge and that acceptance that you might get to this place where you feel really amazing, but you might have a time that like you feel kind of not great again and knowing that it's not going to be a cure, but it's going to be more of a journey. And it's really just that like type of work and reflection within yourself to get to a place that you want to be and what works for you too. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is really like, it's very individualized and there's mm. lots of conversations on it and there's lots of things people can tell you, but it's just really sitting down and figuring out what is going to do it for you. And so that, is where I feel like journaling is amazing. And I love that you brought that up, Steph, because I know you're a big journaler and you always inspire me to journal more. Um, 
So yeah. And I did want to read a few comments. We've had a lot of interaction in the chat. Thank you, everyone. On the Mimi thing you said, said about, sorry, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. No, Mimi said 500. Oh, <laughs> Mimi said 528 hertz is great too. She always listens to as background music. Steph said, mine's very spiritual. I try to find a bigger meaning to life, understanding what the soul needs to learn in this life cycle. I mm. definitely love that. And I also share a similar perspective to, again, like seeing like the whole big thing. But what were you going to say? No, I was just, because you said, um, when you were talking about journaling, I feel like, hmm, excuse me. I feel like, something or the thing about journaling is you mentioned maybe you don't spiral as far back as you have before and I think sometimes it's hard for us to recognize that unless we're tracking it and journaling and I feel like when you're able to look back and be like well I was in such a low place before and then I was in a really high place and hey maybe I'm not where I was that first you know journal entry when I felt like I couldn't keep going or whatever the case may be I think there's something really powerful in realizing, hey, I got through this before. I got through a harder time and this is what I did or this is what led up to me being happier and being yes. able to know our own patterns. Just being able to know, like sometimes I look back in my journal and I'm like, I wrote that <laughs> um, or I felt that, but being able to break that cycle and be able to be like, oh, I've been through this before and I can get through this even stronger. That was all. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So the next or question, the next question, question five, which I feel like can actually go really hand in hand in this is what are some affirmations that you use daily? Yes, I love this question and I love affirmations. Um, I write some affirmations every day when I write what I'm grateful for. And affirmations have been a really key in my self-love and self-mastery and even dealing with different feelings and depression to kind of reframe my mindset and to like shift different negative thinking patterns into positive patterns by having like an affirmation to hold on to. So it kind of always changes. Some that I use daily that I've been using for the last like six months is I'm becoming happier day by day. And I accomplish everything I need to take steps towards my dreams every day. And these are actually two affirmations that I wrote completely. They're not from anywhere because they're very much related to me. When I first came up with them, um, I was in a place where I wasn't feeling really good. And I, I wasn't necessarily feeling depressed, but I wasn't feeling blissful and I was just feeling kind of like stagnant. And I wanted to work on shifting my mindset to be happier and to see all these things to be happy about. So I just came up with I'm becoming happier day by day to kind of like leave it open ended that like the happiness is infinite. And then the second one is because something that I personally struggle with is always feeling like I didn't do enough, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship. How do you know like you did what you were supposed to at work because you didn't get fired and you got your paycheck? Mm. Well, when you're at the beginning of an entrepreneurship journey, there might not even be an income from what you've been spending eight hours working on. So how did you know that you did enough? And the to-do list is forever long. And maybe you don't even have anyone to delegate it to. So by that logic, you actually didn't do enough. <laughs> and, and you probably never will because there's going to be more to do. So I like struggle with that. And I always fixate on what things I don't get done on my to-do list. Um, so I actually started adding things to my to-do list that I always do just to like have it checked off. And I started this affirmation of I accomplish everything I need to take steps towards my dreams every day. I because I'm that. putting it out there. I'm saying that. I do that. Um, and then real quick, a few other ones that I love are I am perfectly aligned with my dream life. I am a manifestation mm. machine. 
I am the creative director of my life. Mm. I have more than enough time for everything I want to do. Money flows to me easily and frequently. Yes. And how about you, Steph? Because honestly, three of those I literally got from you. (laughs) They're because you told me them at one point and they've become some of my favorites. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I love sharing affirmations because I feel like I just love affirmations. Um, And I feel like even if we don't realize we have affirmations, there's things that we affirm to ourselves every day. It might not always be intentional, but I love getting intentional about what's coming into your life. But um, one of my favorites that I have been using for a actually probably since the beginning of my self-development journey, because it was actually part of the Manifestation Babe podcast. I got it from there. I don't remember like what podcast or anything, but the universe is always conspiring in my favor. And, um, you hear this a lot in like different words, like all things are happening for my good. And I think, or not even, I think like knowing that all things are working for me or like speaking, all things are working for me. It's really good to see like, okay, maybe something didn't go the way I wanted it to, but being able to see the way that it worked in my favor after or seeing the way it's helped me grow or whatever the case may be, there's growth from every situation. Um, money comes to me easily and frequently is also what I've been using for a long time. But I will, I like to add money comes to me easily and frequently from both expected and unexpected sources of income. Ooh, I like because that. I'm not stopping money coming from me. No, randomly. send me that, send me that random check in the mail. Exactly. Yes. Um, like if the money just comes, the money comes. Um, people love to pay me. I love this. I love this one, especially, um, working service industry. People love to pay me. People love to give me money. Um, I am worthy. I feel like it's a very basic affirmation, but reminding yourself that you are worthy and deserving. Like I am worthy and I am deserving of my wildest dreams of everything that I want. And if something is placed in my mind, it is meant for me. Um, and then I am powerful is actually one of my favorites. Mm. I'm a powerful creator. Um, reminding myself that reminding myself every day that if your thoughts create your life, if you're creating your life, remembering how powerful I really am and knowing, Hey, what am I thinking? Being aware of what I'm thinking. And, um, yeah, I'm a powerful creator. Those are some of the ones that I'm really holding on to right now. I love them. I really love the concept of like the creative energy. That's like the one I said, I'm the creative director of my life. Like I really know that that we are creating this and like, especially as women, like I feel like we have extra like creative energy because we are literally capable of creation. Like it's amazing. Um, Steph said in the chat, when I learned when I just learned because I feel like I don't have a good relationship with money is the more money I make, the more people I can help. I love that. I just love that like reminder. Um, and that leads right into our next question, which do you have any money management tips? All right. I actually, do love learning about money management. Um, and I've been on both ends of a not good relationship with money and also fixing my relationship with money. Um, but I feel like one of the first things is knowing your relationship with money, but I'm going to go through just some of them. I literally just bullet pointed them out. Um, but know how much money is coming in and know how much money is going out. How much money are you making and what are your bills? I do this probably monthly, sometimes more, um, just to know, okay, this is what I have coming in. These are my bills. This is my extra money. And then really giving each a place. Um, Give yourself or giving yourself the guidelines for spending. So knowing, hey, this is going to this, this is going to that, this is what I have extra. And then figuring out how you use your extra. Um, 
And then learn about your relationship with money. I put with like three exclamation marks because I think a lot of us don't realize we have a bad relationship with money. I don't think I realized I had a bad relationship with money. Um, and I think it starts with, again, journaling or self-reflection. Um, for me, it was journaling, but it can be self-reflection. It can just be asking yourself some simple questions. But um, how does money make you feel? is a question that I really like to ask. How do you, what do you do when you have money? Do you immediately go spend it? Do you hold on to it too tight? Do you, you know, are you scared when you have money? Do you feel like you don't have enough even when you do have money? Um, and maybe you have your savings and you have everything paid, but you still, you're still saying, oh, I'm broke or I can't afford that. Um, and then I think the big one to like really know about your relationship with money is how did your parents view money? Because a lot of times how our parents viewed money is how we viewed money. Did your mom always tell you, oh, I can't get that, I'm broke? Because my mom did. Sorry, I'm broke, I can't. Um, but that's something that stuck with me and something that I've learned to say less and less and less. And then just maybe I'm not gonna get that now or that's not a priority right now or that's a luxury that I don't need right now. Um, little things like that to reframe the way you speak about money. And then something that I really loved that also felt probably the strangest of some of the journal prompts that I've done is writing a letter to, did I pause? Can you hear me? You pause for a second. Um, what you love is what? Writing um, a letter. Writing a letter to money. And mm. A lot of, I feel like, so I actually did this because of a manifestation being podcast and on there, she had a guest where she was talking about, um, her letter to money. And this was before I had written mine. And she was like, you know, some of the things that I wrote down, I didn't even realize I felt like there's not enough of you or. I can't seem to, or I can't seem to get enough of you or every time, like just little things like that, that we don't even realize that we feel, but I feel like once you start writing your letter to money, sometimes it just flows. And I don't know if that's just me, um, but let yourself get in that flow and really like talking that through. And it sounds a little weird and it maybe even feels a little weird, but being able to like have that visual and be like, oh, okay, this is where I'm at with money right now. Because if you're maybe not having that best relationship, it's not going to be the best letter. Um, and being able to like see where you're at to mend that relationship and from there do better things. Um, I actually did a money course at one point. And one of the first things that I had to do was clean out my wallet. Respect my money. Don't leave your money all crumpled. Do you have a lot of receipts in your wallet? Do you, you know, how do you respect your money and um, the last one that she had us do in that course was, or not the last one, one of the other ones that I really liked was taking your money on a date and really building your relationship with money. So just, um, those are some of mine. What about you, Stacey? Wow. Taking your money on a date, spending money on your money. Like, what? <laughs> um, but it doesn't even have to be spending the money. Like it could literally just Part of that letter can be like, hey, what are you doing with that? Can you light a candle and maybe just have some money out? Or like visual, having the, um, I, this might've been from this course or it might be from somewhere else, but having like a hundred dollar bill in your wallet, that way you, every, or even like a crisp bill, maybe it's a 20 and you can open your wallet and see, oh, I have money in there, I'm abundant. We have cards now. So I feel like being able to see that and have that visual all the time is really helpful. At least it is for me. Yes, absolutely. I definitely think a huge aspect to money management and wealth accumulation and success <clears throat> all goes back to reshaping our perspective on our relationship with money. And I do think that it's something that sometimes we don't realize that we've had that we have a negative view of it. Um, until we do something like journaling, like you said, because when we journal, like we just, you know, are completely vulnerable and we just like let it all out. But I feel like, especially in today's day and age when like 
like NFTs exist and people like made millions of dollars over like a virtual like thing, like as if digital art hasn't existed for forever. And Mm. like what? So because so many people are making so much money, but also at the same time, we have like the biggest wealth gap that we've ever had. But because there's so much polarized things with money and because we're raised that it's such like a taboo type of thing or whatever, I feel like sometimes it's hard to even be truthful to ourselves and to realize that like, I actually have fear about money. Like that's like a scary thing to admit because I can definitely relate stuff that growing up, a lot of negative paradigms with money were instilled in me from my parents, but it wasn't the same way like you said, so it took me a long time to learn it. My mom never, I don't really have any memories of ever being told like, we can't get that because we can't afford it. But we only ever shopped at the sale rack. Like I literally thought that was a normal thing that when you went to the store, like you went to the back to the clearance. Like that's, mm. that's where the good things were. Why are we gonna, we'll just wait for that to go on sale. That was always what I was told. We'll just wait for that yeah. to go on sale. But it did usually go on sale and we did usually get it. And I was fortunate to grow up like in a nice household where we had a lot of things and a lot of privileges and a lot of overspending in a sense. I learned a lot of overspending from my parents of waiting for it to go on sale. So then we can go buy stuff on sale to spend more (laughs) money than we would have if we just bought this originally. Um, And kind of like that, like be very frugal and then splurge. That's kind of like the pattern that I learned from my parents. Mm. Um, And just like always letting me know that, like it took me a long time to realize that that was a paradigm put into me and that it was affecting my current relationship with money because I was like, Oh yeah. Like that's how my mom is. Like she kind of like, will get me a gift and then kind of like, let me know if she got it on sale. And I'll just be like, okay, thanks. (laughs) Like, because she just loves a sale. Like that's always what I thought. Like, Oh, my mom loves a sale, but it's really a deeper like fear of not having enough money to only be able to afford that when it's on sale and that like deeper, Mm. like negative to it. So I think a lot is definitely reshaping your mindset and your relationship with it to respect money as well. Because I used to always just say like, I don't care about money. If I don't care about it, it's not going to care about me. Mm. (laughs) If I don't care about making money, I'm not going to make money. That doesn't mean I'm just going to live the life I want because I don't care about money and I'm not realistic. Like that's that type of like hippie-ish mindset is not really being respectful of the energy that money has. Um, And a few things like to be specific about some tips are definitely everything you said, Steph, for sure. And like having a budget and some type of way of tracking your income and your expenses, which is like a balance sheet. And then, also tracking like your assets and your liabilities, which Mm. might not be much, you know, depending where you're at in life, who knows, maybe it's only liabilities, whatever. But that's something I've learned from the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I talk about a lot, but it significantly has transformed my entire relationship to money and success and everything about it because he breaks it down in very like specific, relatable ways. And he shows you it by, um, showing both the balance sheet and the asset versus liability and like how these things relate and how it's all connected and just realizing, you know, different patterns of spending that the middle class always fall into versus patterns of saving or investing that the wealthy do and things like that. And like, just really understanding that also like everything in society is geared towards us staying in the spot that we're in and spending Mm. all the extra money we have. And Mm. as someone who is obsessed with growth and things like that, and also just like seeking out truth, learning those type of things makes me not want to go shopping. Actually. I used to love to go to target for target runs as like a stress reliever. And now I just think about no shame towards anyone. If you still love that, because I mean, I still do it sometimes too. I go get my freaking like $4 face masks and call it a day but it's kind of shifted when I think about like for one where where is the rest of my money like where's my money ending up at this huge corporation who probably has a lot of practices I don't agree with versus mm-hmm. what if I took this money and I put it into an investment 
And then I got more money from that. And then I put that into like a community project. And then after that, I still went to Target and treated myself after for the face mask. But I did all this Mm. first because now I respect and understand the power that money has. So I put it to use for good. And then that all just kind of like goes. But above all, my biggest thing would be having some type of budget or way to track it. If we're not aware of what's happening, it's, it's not going to change. And that's sometimes hard too. Like it's hard sometimes to open my budget document and be like, Oh shoot. Like it's halfway through the month and I'm over what I was supposed to spend on groceries. Cause that's usually what I go over on. <laughs> and I'm like, how am I going to eat for the rest of the month? Obviously I'm, I'm going to have to make some adjustments and you know, but if I wouldn't look at it and I wouldn't make those adjustments, how much more over would I be in my spending? And mm. how much difference does that really make my life? You know, like and how much, I don't know. It just makes you really evaluate, like I said, like where you're putting your power with money. Mm. 